Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. And so we come to the end of 2022, the year that promised to get back to normal after two years of lockdowns, close downs, reboots, reshoots, delays and even cancellations. But normal proved elusive. Months of being locked out of cinemas confirmed what was already on the cards before COVID. Why go out when the streaming services offer all you could want on your computer? Tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. Watching big-budget extravaganzas like Don't Look Up at Home was certainly convenient. And with so many streamers available, there were now far more titles from all over the world on offer. Too many for audiences to share, in fact. Since many films don't even get a cinema release these days, audiences are often left in the dark leading up to awards season. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Now, if you didn't have subscriptions to Netflix, Neon, Prime Video, Apple and all the rest, you'll never get to see half the big movies, even Oscar winners like Coda. Coda actually won a surprising three Oscars, including Best Film. Surprising because a few months on it seems to have vanished from everyone's consciousness, like so many films we half-heartedly watch online. What's it doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvellous, Rose. We were married Sunday. Of course, Netflix's Power of the Dog made a huge impact here when it picked up not only the Best Director Academy Award, but, according to the internet, 269 other awards around the world. Clearly, Jane Campion's going to need a bigger mantelpiece. But this was, in many ways, a gala year for New Zealand films and filmmakers. Taika Waititi made Marvel Comics' Thor Love and Thunder very much his own. And after all that... He reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? Even more popular around the world was the long-delayed Jurassic World Dominion, thanks in no small measure to the old-fashioned star power of Sir Sam Neill. There were also an unprecedented number of actual homegrown New Zealand films this year. You don't know what you're doing, man. Tom is not a terrorist. I need to know if you're a police officer I can trust. Are you with Tommy? Are you with us? There were entertaining and thoughtful thrillers like Muru, documentaries about Dame Valerie Adams and Gloria Vale, by-the-numbers biopics like Fina, hit-or-miss comedies like Millie Lies Low and Nude Tuesday, and genre flicks like X. You don't want to leave, do you? People's eyes are going to pop out of their damn skulls when they see this. 
pick of the crop for me was a little documentary called Fetu Marama, Bright Star, the story of how Sahak Busby helped revive the art of Polynesian star navigation. I loved it because, unlike so many New Zealand films, I didn't already know the story going in. If you can read the stars, then you can read the pathway for the people. from great navigators. We're the greatest explorers on the face of the earth. On the other side of the world, another country having rather a good year was Norway. They produced the scary innocence and the explosive comedy Everybody Hates Johan. But a popular favourite was a charmer with the most Norwegian of titles, the worst person in the world. Despite the title, everyone fell in love with the worst person in the world's Julia as she struggled to decide who to pick. The best line of the year was her, I love you and I also don't. But this was a year of novelty from around the world. Japan led the way with the Oscar winner, Drive My Car. The critics were mostly unanimous about several other winners. The Iranian A Hero, from Spain The Good Boss, French crime movie The Night of the Twelfth, and a quite brilliant animated Danish documentary about refugees called Flea. The God Want. I'm trying to be. So this is my fortune, and I can't flee from it. I have no lust. My own favourite world movies both came, in a way, from Africa. There was a documentary called Blind Ambition about the least likely team of the year. Four novice wine tasters from Zimbabwe set off to Europe to take on the world's best. I remember well my very first sip of wine. I didn't like it. A few years ago, none of us had ever tasted wine before. Sure, they Marvin, Tinashe, Van Pardon, Team Zimbabwe. And the other one was set in Somalia at the height of the Civil War. But all the protagonists of Escape from Mogadishu are Korean, north and south. And it's touch and go whether they'll get away or kill each other first. If you think they've forgotten how to make old school Hollywood edge of your seat thrillers, you're looking in the wrong place. Hollywood itself continues to make remakes, reboots and sequels, but curiously fewer than usual. There was another Jurassic World, a further rather pointless Hogwarts prequel, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and more, in every sense of the word, Marvel Comics Spectaculars. You're struggling to have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. The most of the more being the aptly titled Spider-Man No Way Home, which contrived to include anyone who'd ever been in any previous Spider-Man movie. 
It was a good year for incoherent excess, epitomised by an extraordinary mash-up with the self-explanatory title Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. At its heart was a battle across the multiverse between two middle-aged women. Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis seem to be having a good time, though. More coherent, though that's a relative compliment, was the sci-fi horror satire from Jordan Peele that wowed the critics when it came out. It was called Nope. So what happens next? Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. I like Peel's first film, Get Out, was less keen on us, the follow-up, and I'm reserving the final yip on Nope until I see it again. Maybe. Best title of the year was a film starring the famously unpicky Nicolas Cage. It was called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Nick, you've been living at the Sunset Tower for over a year. They love having me there. You owe them $600,000. Okay, I'm going to deal with all that. But I'm going to get this next role. And when I do, all of that changes. Then I'm back. Not that you went anywhere. To many people's surprise, Unbearable Weight proved as entertaining as its title. Nicolas Cage's performance was notable for an untypical lightness of touch. Frankly, a smart comedy like this was a rarity this year. Too many relied on special effects, in-jokes about popular culture and the charm of their stars. As much as this will pain us both, we have to call a truce to make this work. They're being lockstep. Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. George Clooney and Julia Roberts were presumably bribed with a tropical holiday to make a creaky rom-com called Ticket to Paradise. And they showed that even after 30 years, they can still show the young folks how it's done. But, of course, they weren't the biggest 60-something star to conquer the cinemas in 2022. You were here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. just want to manage expectations. Tom Cruise returned to his first massive hit, Top Gun. It came out in 1986 to rekindle the old magic. Not that it went anywhere, as his contemporary Nicolas Cage would say. Top Gun Maverick was the top-grossing movie of the year, and it was also far better than it needed to be. The scene between Tom and his old nemesis, the now-ailing Val Kilmer, was one of the most poignant of the year. The point of clothes should be, one, that you're noticed, two, that you look sexy, and three, that you feel good. Mary Quant Limited, one of the most astonishing success stories in the world of fashion. For some reason, there was a run on nostalgia for the late 50s, early 60s in 2022, including the pair who defined the era. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis defied all those who wondered why we needed to hear the story of Elvis Presley yet again. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. 
ready to fly. Lerman offered two fresh angles, his trademark campy glamour and the sinister presence of Elvis's manager, former fairground huckster Colonel Tom Parker. Only Tom Hanks could have made the Colonel remotely sympathetic. And sharing the King's spotlight this year was the ultimate blonde, Marilyn Monroe. I played Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Blonde seemed another totally unnecessary addition to the library of books and films about Marilyn. But writer-director Andrew Dominic and particularly star Anna de Armas lift the old story to the level of art, albeit rather gaudy pop art. Speaking of art, the most famous painting in Britain at the time was The Duke. We're convinced that the Goya has been stolen by a highly professional international criminal gang. Mind your boomers! Almost certainly a trained commando. <coughs> You're right. Bitter biscuit. Goya's painting of the Duke of Wellington was all over the front pages in the 60s when it was stolen. The Duke, starring Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren, provided a funny and touching swan song to the career of the late director Roger Michel. Once again, it was a good year for the oldies. Please let me escort you out. No, 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 hang on a minute. I've saved every penny scrubbing floor so I can buy this frock. Excuse me, but it would be my honour to have you view the collection as my guest. Ni tout cela, ni rien au there was a popular remake of a dusty old favourite, Mrs Harris Goes to Paris, a documentary about style icon Mary Quant, and a smarter-than-you'd-expect reminder of that prickly comic genius Lucille Ball. You're my hero. I care about what works. I care about what's funny. I care about you. Oh, you're scaring the shit. I was just going to say... Despite the multiple Oscar nominations, being the Ricardos barely got a release, but Aaron Sorkin's script and the performances led by Nicole Kidman as Lucy deserved a bigger audience. Of course, the biggest star of the year was also the most senior. It was only fitting that Roger Michelle's final movie should have been Elizabeth, a portrait in parts. About the Queen's speeches, I feel that her own natural soft is not allowed to come through. I think everybody really will concede on this of all days, I should begin my speech with the words, my husband and I. The two world wars both got their usual fair share of coverage. Germany offered a harrowing and timely remake of the classic All Quiet on the Western Front and the even more chilling The Conference, essentially the bureaucracy behind the Holocaust. Equally true but rather more entertaining was Britain's Operation Mincemeat, a con job on the Nazis dreamed up by one Ian Fleming, later the creator of James Bond. What if the autopsy reveals he didn't die of drowning? Or if the briefcase is returned to us without the Germans seeing its contents. Charles, why on earth do you keep poking holes in our plan? I'm preemptively poking. Rather more disappointing was an overcrowded extravaganza called Amsterdam, in which writer-director David O. Russell bites off a bit more than he can chew. It's a fictionalised real-life story about American Nazi sympathisers attempting to topple the government. A waste of a good cast, unfortunately. We need someone to help us to find the truth. My friend was killed because of something monstrous that he had seen. 
this is all turning out to be a lot larger than any of us. A far better idea than filling the screen with famous faces is to deliver a small, simple idea with the right people. A popular example was a twist on a romantic comedy plot. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. A late middle-aged woman gives herself a treat: a young sex worker. I've never had an orgasm. There are nuns out there with more sexual experience than me. It's embarrassing. Do you want me to brush my teeth? Oh God, this is crazy. Nancy, it's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy. Yes. Come have a dance with me. Like any good sex comedy, it's all in the telling. In this case, the totally smirk-free performances of Daryl McCormick and Emma Thompson. Meanwhile, a far darker take on the genre had no stars in it at all. The next to no budget, Red Rocket. Your persona non grata. Life sweet, Sophie. Life is sweet. Red Rocket is a hard sell to the uninitiated. I know. Why should anyone care about the attempts of failed porn star Mikey Saber to get back to Hollywood? They involve dope dealing, lying, cheating, and an underage waitress called Strawberry. All I can say is that director Sean Baker is a genius. He made the wonderful Florida Project a couple of years ago, and Simon Rex is the star America deserves at the moment. He assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of his time: Berenson, Sazerac, Kremens, Roebuck, Wright. These were his people. Just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. Many rather bigger names queued up to be part of Wes Anderson's esoteric tribute to highbrow American journalism of the 30s and 40s, The French Dispatch. Bill Murray, Saoirse Ronan, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, and a dozen other favourites. And who doesn't like a good old-fashioned journalism story? Hi, my name is Jody Cantor. I'm an investigative reporter for the New York Times. What have you got? I was told that the wrongdoing in Hollywood is overwhelming. I don't want to be quoted. Period. Understood. The best thing about she said was taking the spotlight off the egregious Harvey Weinstein and putting it on the women who got the story out. These were not just the journalists, but the witnesses who risked everything to go on the record. And in many ways, this year showed the results of their work. This was an independent film, and it was incredibly hard to get made. So I want to thank my team, Doug. I want to thank. My producers, all of you, for believing in me and how I wanted to make this movie. I, I want to thank the women who win awards get all the press, understandably. But away from the headlines, what's also undeniable is that more women are getting to make their own movies, and many other films know enough now to make sure there are plenty of strong parts for women in them. You're a viscount. Can't we? Walking the gins like a umchik. Can let in what? It was called *The Quiet Girl*, an independent Irish film told beautifully, mostly in Irish. Another Irish girl was equally touching: the wonders Keila Lord Cassidy, who had the good fortune to play opposite Florence Pugh. Do you know the dangers of a prolonged fast, Anna? I don't eat sweets. I live a manner from heaven. And how does that feel? 
two quiet Irish girls, but my favourite this year was Noisy in English. Catherine called Birdie was a medieval equivalent of a modern coming-of-age story, starring Game of Thrones' Bella Ramsey and written and directed by Lena Dunham. You don't get to decide who we are, where we go, or how much we cost. Like, we're just things. We're not things. We're people. And we can think, and we can hear, and we can feel. But we Catherine called Birdie was clearly not for all tastes. Equal parts Jane Austen, Fleabag, Clueless and Cadfile. And it got buried in one of the streaming services. But of course, that's one of the advantages of all that buried treasure on Neon and Netflix and the rest. If you know where to look, there's something for you. Though I still prefer to look at the cinema. Ellie Sattler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? At the end of the year, I like to award the traditional Kate Blanchett Award for Being in Everything to performers whose appearances were above and beyond expectations. Certainly last year's winner Olivia Colman was as busy as usual, as were Tilda Swinton and indeed Kate herself. But for me, there can be but one winner. Your strength breaks men's bones. Ah! I have the cunning to break their minds. And night by night, we will carry out my pledge of vengeance. The tarnished silver award goes to the tireless Anya Taylor-Joy, coming off the back of last night in Soho to appear in The Northman, The Menu, Amsterdam and the TV series Peaky Blinders. Well done, Anya. You played several blinders. The men's section was equally competitive. You can sense the waves. You know how strong they are. Like swimming in rough surf. You feel they could crush you. Would it be pop star Harry Styles or popular favourite Timothy Chalamet? Or Idris Elba, whose six projects this year included A Genie, A Lion Hunter in Beast and rather smaller game in Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Worthy contenders all, but I think we can do better. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Apart from scene-stealing performances in Bullet Train and The Lost City, Brad Pitt's production house Plan B has also been responsible for a wide slate of TV and movie titles, including Blonde and She Said. He may not have been in everything this year, but Brad's certainly been in enough to see off the competition. Well, I can't claim that, but I've certainly seen off this show. I'm Simon Morris, and in the last show of the year, I wish you happy holidays, and I'll see you at the old stand this time, early 2023. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.